The Space God Memoirs. Episode 31 There I was, wounded and taking cover inside of an alien starship, as divine soldiers blasted at me with laser fire. My calm of a moment ago was now gone, and my mind erased with ideas of what I could possibly do to survive this. The only one that came to mind was this, take control of the ship. I didn't know how I could do it, just that I could. If it worked like old Disa had, I would be set. But first things first, I needed to shut the door. At that thought, the circular opening collapsed, melting back into the wall of the ship and looking like it had never been there. Was I already linked to the ship's mind? Amazing, but a part of me had known to expect this. Chills ran across my skin as I looked over the interior. I could hear another volley of blasts hitting the ship's walls. But I barely paid any attention, as I finally got a chance to look around. Elegant, simple and pristine, like a shrine. Those were words to describe that ship, I thought, as I observed all under a dimmed red light. It was a bit smaller than the one our crew had rebuilt, but clearly more advanced. It was only one room, with a single chair near the front made of a rubbery type of material, and a back wall and set with a small cot of some sort. A few panels on the sides and under that cot might have been for storage, but there was nothing else. No engine room, no kitchen, not even a bathroom. And come to think of it, I did kind of have to go. No time for that, I thought, frantically looking for a way to start this thing. I painfully hobbled over to the chair. No window, even. No buttons, interface, or anything. There weren't even any hand panels to the side of the chair for establishing a connection yet there was something awfully familiar about this setup, like I'd seen it all in a dream. It almost made me feel comfortable. I sat down on the chair and immediately felt a buzzing energy shooting up my spine. The reddish light in the chamber changed colors to an anticipatory yellow. The buzzing in my spine spread outward until I could feel it like electricity in my hands and on the surface of my skin. Just like with Disa, I could feel something else the ship's mind. But this was stronger, almost sentient. It was like the feeling of being watched, looked over by something that was acutely aware of my presence. It was like the ship itself was reaching out to me. I closed my eyes, trying my best to ignore the pain throbbing in my leg. I breathed, three counts in, three counts out, just like Ven had taught me. I wondered if the old bug was okay but quickly dropped that thought as I decided to reach out and fully connect with the ship. Thoughts similar to apprehension and questioning ran across my psyche. It was asking for identification. Asking who I was and if I had permission to use it. 
I knew, of course, that I didn't. But thankfully, I was too excited in the moment to bother thinking that. That deep part of me knew that there was ways to bypass this. All I needed was the right attitude, the right pattern of thought. So I took a deep breath and focused on Zirathra. No, not what I thought of her. Not even what she looked like but rather what it had felt like being under her gaze. That mind, so finely sharpened, so precise and perfect, but fragile all the same. As I sat there in that chair, shifting my thoughts like that became almost easy, feeling like I was that disciplined, sharpened mind, a mind that could crush with its will, yet concealed deep inside of it a core of sorrow. I let those thoughts fill me, Apparently that was enough. The yellow light became clear as I felt myself fully entering the ship's invisible interface. Immediately I felt myself connected to a vast intellect. Back in Canadria, our old ship's mind had been a subtle thing, slow and ponderous in comparison. Here its presence was real and distinct. My awareness practically exploded with the power of the thing. A stream of data poured through me, it was more knowledge than in all the libraries on Arubis, just waiting for me to call it up. It was a mind that could calculate millions of complex equations in an instant. For a moment it felt heavy, overbearing, like a huge ego staring down on me. As my mind and the ship's mind continued to interface, the overwhelming power of it began to fade into the background. Or rather, I was growing used to it, rather rapidly. As if the invisible interface was designed for this, for connecting with people and making things easier. In moments, I could still access all of that knowledge, all of that computing power and control. But it felt like it was me, a part of my own thought process, natural. Moments after that, it didn't even feel like I was connected to the ship's mind at all. It was all my own mind, my own thoughts. The countless equations running in the background were just a part of my thought process. Moreover, it was hard to tell where I ended and the ship began. No screen appeared in front of me. No interface popped up. No buttons, no dials, not even a list of commands. I just knew it all. Knew everything the ship was capable of without being told or shown, like a download into my memories. I now knew that the mind of the ship wasn't something produced by whirring gears or spinning parts, not maintained by anything so primitive as a physical computer or electromagnetic energy. Rather, it was psychic in nature, a finely tuned set of programs and protocols operating on the level of thoughts, dreams, and ideas. There were no physical controls here because they were not needed. The interface for working this thing was all in the mind and within me I had all the hardware required. A grid of the program appeared like a map inside of my thoughts. There were so many possibilities, modes of in-atmosphere, interplanetary, even interstellar travel, weapons systems, controls for temperature, humidity and smell, options to set the ship's color, life support functions ranging from air density to handling of excretory functions. I forced myself to focus on what I needed, Though my tension kept going to my leg, where I could see a black, fist-sized hole where the blast had struck it. It throbbed with pain. As if in reaction to my sensation, I began to notice a subtle glow appearing around the wound, edges of it sparkling. The glow expanded until it covered the wound. 
Suddenly the pain dimmed, almost vanishing, replaced by a numbing and almost ticklish tingle. View, I thought, and the blank wall in front of me shifted in opacity until it became a window. I could now see outside, to the troopers that were circling around the ship and preparing to take another shot. For the moment I ignored them and looked upward, at the glimmering stars above the rounded sphere of Aruvis. The ship lifted up without a sound, its silent engines propelling it off the tower platform. Within seconds the warriors were just tiny silver dots standing on the rapidly diminishing tower. I felt a dizzying sensation as the planet grew smaller below me, followed by an ever-increasing elation. The buzzing, elated feeling increased as I coasted beyond the gravity and pull of the planet, seeing it below me as a small thing. Its problems so tiny and insignificant, now that I was no longer confined to it. Its complex systems of kingdoms, tribes, history, and wars reduced to only a blue, green, and reddish sphere. Like a pretty gift ornament hanging in the sky. Maybe, I mused, that's what everything is like. Real while you're in it, fake when you're out of it. Then I continued on my way, the thought soon departing. My movement was effortless. Controlling this ship was like moving my own body. It responded to my desires instantly. I didn't need to give commands or even form concrete thoughts. I'd look in a direction, and it would begin moving there. Feeling free, all the universe opened to me. I coasted along. Ahead of me stood the Eye of the Gods, that abominable fortress of dark, steely construction that now encased Arubis' moon. As I flew further from the planet, I could see it in more detail, each of its protruding spikes a veritable city, with thousands of windows into just as many living quarters, docking bays, or meeting rooms. And of course, I saw the fleet that orbited that fortress. At first it looked like so many glimmers of light in the distance, like a star field, perhaps. But shortly after, I could see the details, the crimson reds and the blacks that nearly matched the color of the fortress, the deep greens and navy blues of the ships that resembled spiky, crab-like things, or insects with outstretched wings. They swarmed in the thousands around the satellite, and in the hundreds around other, smaller satellites that orbited Aruvis. I knew that they had likely seen me as well, or at least registered the presence of Zerathra's ship leaving the tower. My heart raced with the possibilities, calmed a bit by the rational notion that Zerathra's departure was expected, or so I guessed. I could see a few squads breaking off from the main swarm, probably to meet my ship as escorts, I told myself. It's stealth time, I decided, even before I could see them in detail. I knew from my connection that this ship had some stealth functions, but I wasn't sure exactly how they could be triggered. Stealth, I told the ship. Hide. I wasn't sure if anything had happened, but I didn't feel invisible. Through the window in front of me, I could see four ships coming closer. They didn't look like the ones swarming around the eye, resembling more the ship I was in. Three bronze-colored tetrahedrons, a third of this ship's size, along with a metallic green, cube-shaped vessel that could swallow Zerathra's ship whole. I could feel one of them, the bigger one, hailing me. This sent a surge of panic coursing through my body, the confidence of a few moments ago quickly fading as the ship's mental programs kept nudging me. Contact requested. Contact requested. 
It kept sending me in the form of a persistent thought and the image of both the ship and a bald-headed woman, her skin a mustard-yellow hue. The call kept arriving, and I kept trying to keep it in my periphery, intent on directing the ship around the group, who were all rapidly approaching. I could see by the way they were circling me that they too figured something was up. Feeling the pressure on me, I wished I could hide. Wished that there was some way to escape this. The large green ship drew closer still, looking more and more immense as it pulled forward. I felt tiny in comparison, even smaller compared to the big fortress looming on my left. A brief idea flashed in my mind. I focused on that smallness, on just how insignificant I was. Irrelevant, unimportant, and by extension, invisible. As I did so, reaching out to my ship with those feelings, it reacted. The inside light went dim, nearly fading into blackness, my link to the ship itself developing a kind of hazy quality. I coasted sideways and then resumed a steady course forward. Minutes passed, and I was pleasantly surprised to find the other ships not following. I fell into a drifting motion as I began curving around the huge station, and I beheld the immense black metal spikes rising over me, larger than any cities or structures on the planet. I wanted to steer clear of it. The fortress had a kind of pull. No matter how much I wished to just zoom off into space, the ship just maintained the same steady, slow pace. I could feel a gradual pull towards it, force drawing me inward. I wasn't sure if it was gravity, some program in the ship itself, or even some spooky mental compulsion reaching out to me that did that. But it was there, and real. All I could do was exert my will enough to not speed headlong into the thing. As I tried to move around the eye, I could feel the pull becoming stronger and stronger, accompanied by a type of sensation I would describe as crushing, depressing, as if the damn space fortress were trying to break my will, at the same time I was pulling my ship towards it. No, I told it, reaching deep into my thoughts for a bit of confidence, a bit of bravado which I admit took some effort, seeing as how I'd just come out of making myself feel small and unimportant. I finally reached it. That devil-may-care type of confidence I had developed as Kef. I felt a surge of self-esteem and broadcast it out to the ship, willing it forward and away from the eye. Whoever was trying to pull me into it could scrag right off, gods or not. The gravity pulled at it for just a moment, before it finally gave way and the ship surged forward, away from the star-shaped fortress. Finally free of that scragging satellite's influence, I sped on. Beyond, between Aruvis and the rest of the star system, stood a great drifting field of debris. Much of it gleamed with the faint metallic sheen of dirty steel. I beheld the forms of immense tubes, gears, panels, wires, all manner of what had once clearly been man-made, just floating out here in space equivalent of a whole city or more. Had this been part of the pre-retribution civilization? Some kind of satellite or station for their burgeoning space program, destroyed in an instant cataclysm? I had no time to think on that. Behind me, the ship's sensors registered four vessels, the same ones from before. An image broadcast on the wall to my right showed me two of them, quickly gaining ground. They were no longer hailing me but he began chasing me instead. I sped up as best as I knew how, 
feeling a burst of adrenaline as I mentally directed the ship to go faster. That was a bit hindered by the fact that the only thing ahead was that debris feel. Feeling in a moment, knowing I had no other options, I flew into it, straight between two crumpled metal casings that might have once been enormous silos or control towers. The ship sensed all of the vessels entering after me. I went forward, dodging, swiveling, and twisting my craft around the edges of broken rooms, buildings, and town-sized clusters of both stone and metal debris. The ship right behind me fired a blast. I dodged aside, watching a neon green ray vaporize what might have been an ancient toilet. On and on, into the debris field we raced, not knowing where I was going, or what my goal really was. My heart and mind raced too, as I flew headlong into a cloud of dust and small stones, hearing and feeling them pelting the sides of my ship and being absorbed into its shields. Another volley of green blasts whizzed around my ship as I dodged aside once more. Now I could see two of them just behind me, getting ready to flank. I heard a command of stop coming from one of my pursuers, broadcast by the ship's system. I did not. Ahead of me floated the largely intact remains of a once grand structure. A huge spherical building of blue metal, its smooth surface broken repeatedly by clusters of blackened holes from some ancient barrage. One of its immense walls was shattered, revealing a shadowy opening. Floating around it was more debris, but judging by what was around me, this might have once been the center of the junk field. Sensing the enemy craft rapidly approaching, I directed the ship inside. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.